0: Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim GK. Sponsored by Apple Capital Groups. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of the Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of the Core Business Show, Tim GK.
1: Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today I have the pleasure of having Attorney Sarah Rasky. She's going to talk about how to avoid and defend supply chain disputes. If you'd like to join the conversation, go ahead and uh, text us or you can email us at info at the Core Business Show, or you can pose a question in the chat room. If you would like to join the conversation, feel free to call in at 347-324-3460. Again, 347-324-3460. We're going to take a break for a moment, and we'll be back in one minute. You're listening to The Core Business Show.
0: You're listening to The Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group.
1: Sarah, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I guess to begin with, our our audience really like to hear personal stories versus hearing the bio. But kind of tell us about uh, how you got started. Tell us about yourself.
2: Sure. Um, I'm an attorney who's been in practice for almost 15 years um, in Cleveland, Ohio, which is the heart of where people make things in the United States, or at least part of the heart of where people make things in the United States. And maybe about a year ago, I was in a, a courtroom, uh, arbitration room actually, battling, you know, using one of my client's resources of millions of dollars or more to defend a supply chain uh, legal matter that had brought against that had been brought against them for about five hundred million dollars, and it occurred to me that there were things that the client could have done in the outset of the relationship and as the relationship was progressing during normal times and as the relationship was progressing during worse times to avoid getting into this um, situation from the beginning and that they wouldn't be needing to be paying me Um, the millions of dollars that they were paying my law firm and that they wouldn't need to be spending their time. We were there almost a month uh, doing this. And although the outcome was ultimately favorable, uh, I'm not sure the process was worth it from the company's point of view. And so um, a co-author and I, who was also involved in the case, but more from the industry side rather than the legal side, decided to write a book about how to avoid and defend supply chain disputes so that people don't get into these positions. Mm -hmm. So that's how it all started.
1: Wow. Can I tell us about uh, what common problems people normally run into regarding these disputes?
2: There are a lot of them, but it always starts, like any relationship that's failing, it starts with that bad feeling. Okay. Um, maybe you don't... You're, maybe you're not communicating enough with your supplier, or if you're the supplier, maybe you're not hearing often enough from the customer as to whether you're doing the thing that they want you to be doing. Um, you know, Maybe there's a lot of misunderstandings about product quality, Maybe the um, relationship has become rancorous. Maybe you're dealing with somebody on the other side that's sort of stonewalling and is not really dealing with you. Or maybe you're dealing with a a project manager who's good at checking off boxes um, but not actually dealing with issues on your side or on the other side. Um, It starts off with that bad feeling, and usually once that bad feeling hits, that's the moment where problems need to be addressed because it rarely gets better by itself
1: how do you actually address that problem um people see two different sides of the story uh should you be the kind guy and kind of to resolve it some people can do that some people can't uh kind of give us a way that we can do that kind of peacefully or or at least let them sympathize and uh listen to you cuz sometimes people cut you off
2: right cut well first it's imp- yes it's important to dedicate time to solving problems that arise and that means Uh, More in-person meetings than you probably really wanted to get into, and it means some amount of kindness, but it means anchoring your position, the position that you're taking on behalf of your company, firmly in the supply chain contract documents, whether it's a long-term agreement or a purchase order or terms and conditions or something like that, Um, anchoring your position firmly in those documents, because fairness – really doesn't play a role in a contract negotiation. Fair is what the parties negotiated, which is why the really the critical moment in a supply chain relationship occurs at the outset when that contract is being negotiated. And so often, even in multi-million or in the case that I t- told you about, in, in a $500 million supply chain deal, There's not enough attention paid to the particulars of the supply chain agreement. Often there are multiple documents in the agreement. Some are written by procurement folks, some are written by engineers. Often nobody reads the whole thing, so that when there comes time to interpret the agreement, sometimes there are conflicting or unclear provisions, and that's what causes problems. So when you get into that situation with your customer or with your supplier, and you're bickering about what it is that each of the parties are obliged to do, there may be – it may be that the agreement documents themselves are unclear, and at that point it's time to assess if it's fundamentally a relationship that's capable of being good and functional and effective, it's time to assess at that moment where you're capable of compromising and then fiercely documenting the terms of that compromise and then moving forward. But it's got to be on paper and it's got to be formal.
1: Okay. Someone has a question here regarding whether this a supply chain. Uh, if you can kind of tell us about what is a supply chain
2: sure the supply chain is the method by which companies that make things typically uh get components or necessary processes for the for the parts that they make so if i'm gm for instance i have people that supply ignition switches i have people that supply um airbags i have people that supply transmissions Um, And those are multi-million, sometimes multi-billion-dollar contracts, and they're ones that have to work smoothly, especially in this day and age, where just-in-time manufacturing means that companies have very little inventory on hand, so having things delivered properly and on time is very important. Um, Supply chains today are more international, so that introduces a level of difficulty and complexity that wasn't historically there. Um, So that's what supply chains are, and supply chains are present in big companies such as GM, but even small companies um, that make things, and even if they really don't make things, they need to buy goods and services in order to do what they do. So the supplier-customer relationship is the one that I'm talking about here, and it's one that can easily, if not monitored, um, erupt into rancor and discord. Okay.
1: Okay. And what happens if you don't have an agreement? For example, smaller companies really don't have agreements with suppliers. You, just have, you know, a gentleman's agreement, they just say, okay, yeah, I agree to supply you, blah, 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 and it's just that simple. But what do you do when you have no agreement?
2: Well, I mean, the funny thing is, and one thing that some companies don't understand, there is always an agreement. It may not be a formalized agreement, but if there isn't a formalized agreement, somebody said something to somebody at one point in time that resulted in parts being shipped and parts being accepted. And then if there's no formal agreement and the agreement consists, for instance, of emails or phone calls exchanged by the parties, then that is going to be interpreted to be, in most cases, the agreement. And if it's incomplete, courts will go ahead and fill in the incomplete terms with things that they think are fair. But you don't want to be in that position. You want to be in a position where you know what your rights are and you know what is going to happen.
1: Okay, and if if you have an issue of a defective product, which now – brings a different issue hey i i can't necessarily buy from you or you already bought the, the products from you and the products are failing uh, how can a person address those particular issues i mean you and is nothing really getting done because if it's a big liability then there's a different story altogether
2: right so that that is a common problem and of course 2014 saw that issue, that very issue arise um, in the motor, automotive industry with, you know, allegedly defective airbags, allegedly defective ignition switches. Uh, and recalls that kept growing and growing, so the answer to what to do with a defective product is the same as the answer to what to do with any supply chain problem, which is first you look to your agreement. Um, the agreement should specify what happens in the case that there are that there is a defective product. If the agreement doesn 't specify the buyer may be out of luck now. In the United States, there are implied warranties that go with every product, so you have to see if those are included in your agreement, um, and they are unless they're expressly disclaimed, but there there can be some protections there. But the best practice that we always tell everybody is to plan ahead when you're drafting your supply chain agreement at the outside of the relationship and state explicitly what is supposed to happen in the case of defective product because that's a knowable um Contingency—that's that's something that parties at the outset of a relationship know could happen, and it's good to address it at the outset.
1: When you have, for example, I, I remember this issue uh, almost 20 years ago uh, regarding Firestone and Ford. Um, there was an issue with the tire, but nobody actually claimed responsibility. Um, some of the cases were settled quietly. But if it if it was like resulting definitely in a serious injury or a death, but nobody wanted to take the responsibility for both, um, what do you do in that particular process? Because that can go on years before they even acknowledge the issue. Uh, you know, uh, small companies can't afford to really to kind of, especially when nothing is really known to litigate something like that.
2: Right. So I mean, there what you have is complexity layered on your complexity, right? You've mm-hmm. got um consumer suits um pointing the finger at one or more supplier more than one supplier, and then meanwhile you got supplier and, and customer pointing the finger at each other. So that's a good reason why it's important to address warranty claims at the outset of the relationship. That was a problem that some companies are able to simplify by specifying upfront what happens in the case of consumer claims. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that for each consumer claim, a defendant, a corporate defendant will cop to liability immediately. That's something that for very good reason needs to be proven affirmatively rather than simply assumed, but Um, A way to reduce the level of complexity and the level of rancor is to provide at least who has to deal with that problem as between a supplier and a customer.
1: Okay. In the case of uh, the company going out of the business, uh, is there a way for them to find out uh, how can I file the claim with the insurance?
2: Well, if a company goes out of business, all the rules change. Okay. Um and, and then you're in the sphere of the bankruptcy court, and you're basically told to get in line, and, and you file your claim, and you wait. And some or all of your claim may be covered, but none of your claim may be covered, and that's just the reality of the bankruptcy system in our country. That's how that works. Um, so from the consumer's point of view, there's – the, you, you you know you file your claim and you stand in stand in line from the supply chain relationship point of view. Say I'm a buyer and my customer or my supplier has gone out of business. I got to do the same thing. If I feel like they owe me money for things, I stand in line and wait for that. And if I'm trying to claim something that's disputed, something that there would ordinarily be civil litigation about if they weren't mm-hmm. in bankruptcy, that civil civil litigation to Uh, established responsibility will take place in the context of the bankruptcy court.
1: Now, for example, uh, in a case that they went out of business, they haven't got to the bankruptcy, but does the insurance of that particular company uh, covers uh, them regardless, or they would still have to take care of that issue if they end up in court?
2: sometimes. Okay. It varies widely. It depends on the terms of the commercial general litigation general loss policy, the CGL policy. Okay. A lot of large companies uh tend to be self-insured up to a certain level, say 5 million dollars mm-hmm. um on each claim. So it, it depends on the terms of the uh of the insurance policy itself. Um uh, but breach of contract disputes which would be uh, the um a, pr- a personal injury suit is more likely to be covered by a company's insurance. Than a supplier uh, customer dispute, which breach of contract claims generally generally are not covered
1: should uh so if you look at mediation um, to try to get this should you always go to mediation to uh get this done, or it has to be really agreed on both sides
2: um, I mean mediation is never legally is rarely legally compelled okay. some courts actually do compel it uh some people have better success um at at mediating claims than others and it depends on a lot of circumstances it depends on what the case is about really the mindset of the parties and how willing they are to mediate at the at that particular point in time sometimes attorney style can play a role in how successful mediation is but as a rule i don't think anybody gets hurt by a mediation so it's not it's not a bad process
1: okay and and going back to your book um Kind of tell us some key points that the the reader will get out of your book when it's released.
2: So the book is called Legal Blacksmith, um, Avoiding and Defending Supply Chain Disputes. And what it does is it walks through each of the stages of a supply chain relationship and describes best practices for how to harmoniously manage those relationships and avoid costly and unnecessary disputes. So, for instance, it starts at the beginning with the pre-contract marketing period in which – uh, suppliers may be marketing their services to potential buyers um, and may be responding to RFPs or RFQs and basically trying to get business from buyers. And it walks from that through the drafting the contract process, um, through modifying the agreement if that becomes necessary, all the way through what you do if a dispute does arise and what you can expect from supply chain litigation or, as sometimes happens, arbitration.
1: mm mm-hmm. So the book will be out uh, sometime in February? April. Yep. April. April. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have a little time. And uh, where can we find the book?
2: The book will be available on Amazon.com. Also, we have uh, a website for the book, www.legalblacksmith.com. Okay. And it will be available through that.
1: Okay. So it will be both available in April or when it will be available soon?
2: Yes. Yeah. Both available through April.
1: Okay. And uh, if they want to reach out to you, if they have any more questions regarding uh, uh, really disputes and uh, is there a number they can reach you at or website?
2: Sure. Um, My law firm is called, name is changing, but it's called, uh, for the purposes of website, it's called Squire Sanders. So just look on Mm www.SquireSanders.com, look for my name, which is Sarah Rasky, and phone number to reach me, 216-479-8500.
1: Great. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on the show and kind of tell us about uh, how to actually no, avoid these disputes, and also I'm excited of hearing your book coming out in the next couple of months. So I'll make sure I will actually take it up and read it. But thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you, I appreciate it. You listen to the yeah. Core Business Show. Uh, you can download this episode on iTunes or Block Talk Radio, or on your local radio station webpage. If you have any questions, go ahead and email us at info the core Business Show. Thank you for listening. Everybody, have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the Core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet.